Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And this is our episode 62. And it is our second in our feature of must-see horror movies. Now, Bobby, do you want to remind people of what that is? Yeah. So um, for those of you who may have missed our first episode about this uh, new feature, go check out Rec. Uh, But what we do is we brought a a scratch poster that has 100 horror movies on it, must-see horror movies. Um, And once a month, me and Epo, we throw a dart at it and whichever film it lands on, we watch. Sometimes it lands on a film that we're familiar with. If it lands on a film that we've already covered, we do either the sequel or if there's a remake, we do the remake. Uh, But sometimes we get a first time viewing, which Mm. I believe for me, this was a first time viewing. It was for me as well. Um, Well, before we get into it, I will do my spiel as always. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, again, thank you to everybody for listening, Um, whether this is your first time or you've been here for a while, we always appreciate it. Um, Just remember to hit the following button or the subscribe button so you get the episodes as soon as they're released. And uh, yeah, please enjoy the episode and leave us a lovely review. (laughs) Let's get stuck into scans. I was going to say. This is a fucking weird film, man. (laughs) It is. It is. It is an odd film. Um, I I was just, while you were saying that, I was literally just thinking, you know what just dawned on me, like the moment in time when you were talking about socialism, this is your first time or your last time, I suddenly was just thinking, and if this is the year 2082, we are both dead (laughs) and you are listening to the the voices of dead people. I was thinking about the death that I suddenly, what a weird moment my mind went suddenly to time. Yeah. Time. One day this will be history. I'm sure in the vaults of uh, great places in the there'll be a section in the uh, British History Museum <laughs> of the two people that did cast me to hell bronze statues of you'll us. be looking at us as the saviors of your day somehow this will all work out to be that we somehow <laughs> saved time yeah. in history Funnily, with this well, podcast quick little story about that uh, I was at work and I was like oh I got my, my the for some reason like I got the date that I was going to retire and it's, it's always your birthday <laughs> And it, mine was 15th of June, 1965. And so at work, we were talking about it. And I work, I work with a, with Wait, a lovely You're going to retire? Retire. In 1965? In 2065. You said 1965. I don't know what's in 1965. <laughs> I'm going back. But yeah, 2065. Yeah, and I work with a woman who's kind of, you know, um, mid-50s. And it's quite funny. Um, I said... Oh yeah, I've got my retirement date, you know, 15th of June, 1965 again, 2065. And she went, oh wow, I wonder what I'd be doing then. And I was thinking, and then she went, I think I'll be dead. And I was like, oh, I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> but anyway. That's fucking mad, 2065. Yeah. My God, 43 years from I know. now. God, I, I, I thought this the other day, I'm a teacher and I keep, and I thought the other day, I was like, oh my god like i'm tired now how the fuck am i gonna do this like i'm 40 and i'm 30 right now i know man i look at people who are like in their 50s as like a teacher or doing the jobs we're we're doing like full-on jobs and go how the hell am i gonna do this when i'm well here you go 43 years from now how old are you you're gonna be 73 or 72 years old yeah how bad is that that we that's that's modern day to you people we have to be like that old in order to retire now 
most people are in their 60s and they're, this is their retirement dates. Ours is now pushed to 70s. Fuck, man. Give it another 10 years and we'll be working until we're like 90 years <laughs> yeah. old. Like, here you go, mate. Yeah. You're trying to teach children, like talking to them. Remember that time I had sex? No. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you about it, children. <laughs> you'll be so deaf. I'll be so like, I'll just be out of it. Yeah, you'll I'll be... be fucking insane. Like, te- giving them, like, telling them what they need to do. <laughs> dementia riddles. Yeah. I'm still I'm just have PG- PTSD from some event that's probably ha- hasn't happened. Some war that you had to We got all that to look forward to. I'll come in with, like, a, I'll walk out of the classroom with, like, a necklace made out of the ears of the children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> war! <laughs> This episode's already gone weird. It's already gone weird. Scanners is even weirder. Yes. Good <laughs> scanners is a very weird thing. Um, I mean, this is um, David Cronenberg, though, isn't it? Like, it is. David Cronenberg is. I, I, I literally, I literally thought about this. I mean, I feel I've basically seen almost none of his films. Okay. Which is it, it dawned on me while I was watching this that I've seen The Fly. I've seen The Fly, which is a classic. Um, which is crazy, but a little bit more. It is mad, and it is definitely got some absolutely insane stuff that happens in it. Like it's weird. It's got Jeff Goldblum again, so you know there's a little bit of a kind of an oddness. Yeah. But this is before he went full on as like crazy as he is nowadays. Like, yeah, not crazy in a bad way. Just that guy is just like almost as if he's in his own universe. <laughs> yeah, the way he talks. But um, the fly obviously it has some crazy and it body horror is fat and Dave Cronenberg is known that's what he's known yeah. for he is a master of body horror but um the tone in that film is a, is quite serious and it is in this one too but this one is a bit more convoluted yeah <laughs> in its approach kind of thing other ones like I've seen like I, I've been watching for ages I've had it recorded at home for ages the brood which I haven't yeah, watched I haven't seen the brood um and, and this is a guy who started out with early stuff like shivers which is about slugs that get into your system and turn you into sex crazed, yeah, you know, people. Again, that sounds awesome. I, I, I need to, I need to increase my Cronenberg back catalog to really, un- I think, understand yeah. it more. I mean, um, because all of the films sound awesome. Like their body horror. I love a body horror kind of. It's such an interesting perspective to bring. Yeah, and this has some amazing body horror stuff. In oh it. yeah, it's fucking insane. I mean, the films that that I've seen of Cronenberg. Um, I vaguely remember seeing Shivers or a film very similar to it. I don't know if I saw if it was it when I was young. Um, I've seen Videodrome. I've seen The Dead Zone. I've seen Fly. Um, okay, so you've definitely got a better... Dead Ringers, yeah. I wasn't sure. I feel like I have actually yeah. seen Dead Ringers. I don't know. Um, I haven't. I've seen A History of Violence as well. Um, and I... And, I think as far as David Cronenberg, he's less, he's less, he's a little bit more of the drama kind of odd, kind of, still odd and weird, but a little bit pushed towards more of the drama in the, in the last decade or so. Yeah, he kind of goes from history of violence to cosmopolis um, to crimes of the future was a bit more horror. I heard that mm. one sounded weird. That was Reese. That was only this year. Yeah. That was a return to body horror, but from what I heard about it, um, it was his kind of, look his kind of almost poking fun at people expecting him to do body horror because everybody was wanting him to come back to doing body horror and it was his kind of way because i mean i haven't seen it but what i heard about it was it's about these people who perform extreme body modifications for a crowd 
yeah. for like crowds. So it's kind of that thing of like, I'm, you only want to see me do this body horror I, kind of stuff. I know he's a very outspoken person. He he and he he's also an actor at times. I'm forgetting he's in um, Jason X. Yeah, he's the star of Jason X, and he's appeared in a he's appeared in a few and he does occasionally appear in his own films as certain like small characters and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and he's also quite an outspoken kind of person. He will yeah. kind of talk, and he he does. I don't think he likes people minimizing him down to a certain area and saying yeah. that he's just this. Because I've seen a lot of quotes where he's talked about, yeah, but that's not. So I can imagine crimes of the future again. I could see how that would be a kind of yeah. backlash to kind of you want me to be this because even a history of violence. I remember because that was very critically acclaimed kind of film. Yeah. Um, and even then, a lot of people thought that this is going to be David Cronenberg being a bit more weird. When actually, that's probably his most straight, from what I've heard, his most straightforward kind of film. Yeah. But he shows he can do like a gangster kind of that kind of mafia kind of film, and he can do it expertly. And yeah. He's like, I can do this. I just don't want to do this. I prefer to go and really kind of twist and like mess with things a little bit. I, I like to. My imagination is this kind of weird future. Yeah. If you look at say. And I haven't seen it, but I know I know enough about it to say like Videodrome with the that because that's got a very kind of sexualized kind of part. Yeah. Um, Shivers sexualized. Scanner's not so much, but he likes to play with the 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 kind of the taboo. Yeah, I think he's got he's very, I mean, a lot of the themes in Scanners, for instance. I thought whilst I thought the film itself was really weird, um, and and was very very strange um a lot of the themes in it i think were re- were were great you know we had stuff about um you know we had looking at kind of the military industrial complex yeah which is obviously during during the 80s was kind of developing um especially and now if you look at like two fat you know 2000s post 9 11 you know military industrial complex is massive look at how much America, for instance, spend military spending. How yeah. much the world spends on it's also got the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical, which is obviously because this was made in a key kind of part in obviously America when you really started to see pharmaceutical companies kind of cash in on what we've got and what you haven't got. Like yeah. in America, this is a big thing anyway, obviously because they don't have the same health system we do. You know, we do have to pay for certain bit, like only, but only really the actual antibiotics and stuff is yeah. the stuff we sometimes pay for. Um, and at certain ages, you don't pay for that at all. And even then, if we can't pay for it, we don't have to pay for yeah. it. Whereas yeah. in America, you have to pay for every single part. It's insane, yeah. insane. But this is when pharmaceutical companies really, when you had things like, you know, these are the decades following when like polio had been such a big thing and they found a way to do it. And then pharmaceutical companies also found a way to cash in yeah. on how to get the vaccine and how to make money out of the vaccine. Yeah. And then the development of all the crazy things that came after that, like Viagra and things like that, yeah. you know, all of these big things that made it made pharmaceutical companies not just something to help people it made them a business yeah and, that's and how it. can we how can we improve how can we make things more and in this case it's the case of it makes something that maybe they shouldn't have made yeah well <laughs> i mean it, it's the thing that it reminded it reminded me of was do you, i mean i i always say do you remember that it's not i don't think we were alive at the time <laughs> and that was do you, um for lidomite or thalidomide. thalidomide, I think it was called, and it was a, it was a 
drug that they tested on women for in for pregnancy and for, for morning sickness um oh, however it yeah. led to a massive rise of yeah, children yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. deformities and yeah. stuff like that I, I only know because they're you know they're in in when i was in primary school in the year above me there was a um a kid who had been born with the deformities as a result of that yeah and i always remember when I, think, I got older, I asked my mum about it and she told me about it. It's really interesting. You know? I think there are a few, I think there are a few different kind of those kind of drugs throughout yeah. that we've that have been linked to deformities that have happened with children. You know, yeah. I believe there was even early ones in the 50s and 60s that caused major deformities. That's what I think it was. It, yeah. And I, yeah, and I can yeah, you can see where that is in this this kind of film, that kind of but it's the fact that I think with some of those drugs, is it wasn't like a it wasn't like a vaccine or an injection or any yeah. of those things where they say that those ones have not that often rarely ever actually been proven to link yeah. with any of that kind of thing. Just to have that kind of part of there. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, but the ones that actually sometimes have are actually more of the ones that have ended up being more like one of those was just a brand that yeah. you could buy in a store that was easily handed over. And it turned out that actually it was full of so much of certain chemicals that it, and I believe one of them even had such a high level of like iron or zinc or things like that in it, that that was part of the reason it caused certain deformities. Oh, it just completely at a point when, you know, it, and they said that it had almost just been made because of how much money yeah. they know that they could make out of mothers. Yeah. So they'd made, you know, it, it ends up that being part of the reason of like, of the court case, I think for one of them, someone went to jail purely because it's like you'd made money out of this. You made money out of basically possibly killing people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I, and and again, <laughs> scanners. You scanners. Know, so, but it's all related. There, well, there, there, there is a, you know, the, uh, you know, as we're not going to follow this in like a majorly linear, but and this is something that I feel we, we can forget is the fact that it is kind of revealed that it is part of that kind of pharmaceuticals that they believe, or at least that's the way they're it, using it now, but it, it's implied that once one lot was made, the, the drug that Dr. Roof, yeah. who they kept saying Roof, I kept hearing the word Roof, so I just thought it was a woman. I kept didn't realise it was Dr. Roof, who's the yeah. man <laughs> with an amazing beard. <laughs> yeah, just so you kept thinking, oh, there's got to be like a... I was like, who the fuck is Roof? <laughs> yeah, they've got to come into it. Yeah, where's this Roof? And then I heard Roof was dead. I was like, what do you mean Roof's dead? We haven't just seen killed him. the doctor. Oh, it's a doctor. Yeah. So I played most of the film not realising that Paul Roof, or as they kept referring to, just Roof. Yeah. <laughs> or Dr. Roof at times. I was like, okay, shit. Well, but it's that, it's that drug, isn't it? That yeah. Let, let's kick things off with, because like we said with this feature, um, we're not going to go through the whole film. We're going to talk about some key key scenes and that kind of stuff. It, it's uh, yeah, and and this feature, as as we we mentioned, you know, we've we didn't do this a, a, as much with with Wreck. That was kind of our first kind of stepping ground, yeah, you know, first stepping off point kind of thing. But we we kind of decided following Wreck that we much more want this to be kind of looking at like why would this be on a poster of the must-see? Why is this seen as a classic yeah. kind of horror film? Because the original reviews and stuff for this film were not actually... There was a lot of people that didn't like this film at all. It wasn't actually that well-received. Yeah, This is one that's been much more built up as cult. And over time, people have started to appreciate it for what it was, whereas at the time... People again, and with a lot of Cronenberg's work, to be fair, yeah. saw it as vulgar and that he was trying to be different just for the sake of trying to be different. When, as we've already pointed out, just from a little bit of like talk about it, there's a lot of deeper meaning that he's yeah. taken from 
from history and you know he's a very clever man <laughs> this dude is very clever and, and i the thing that all of his films that i've seen um is he has these great themes running through it um i think the opening scene for me just to kind of touch on one of the scenes that i did kind of find really cool and really weird is the opening um, we're introduced to to a, a guy called Cameron Vale, yeah. who um, is played by um, Stephen Lack. And I, I think we, we both agreed that we felt he was a bit kind of wooden in his performance. And Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it, although he he was fine, I guess, like that kind of straight kind of character. I I don't know. I, I could never, his acting never quite took off for me. It was always yeah. felt a bit like wooden, a bit... A bit, I don't know. It it didn't feel like I didn't feel like I get much more to the character. Even when all these crazy things happen, I never felt like I got much more depth to the character. Not yeah. because they weren't giving ideas about him, because it just felt like he never truly changed that much from the opening. No, not really. Through to the end. Um, but I liked, you know, the opening where he's kind of in this like mall food court kind of area, and there's the two old bits who are like. And you just think you're so, following like uh, a homeless man, or yeah, so, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's like a vagrant, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and then you can you hear you can hear like her thoughts, and mm-hmm. you know he starts kind of freaking out, and they do this kind of thing where well, you couldn't quite tell at the start whether I was her thoughts yeah. or whether she was saying it kind of thing. Yeah, but I think so you hear extra things that are like, oh, her mouth didn't move at that point. Yeah. So there's a, but she's there's having a clever little thing, but she's having a conversation, and she is saying like she is looking over at him like. Uh, like uh, look at that because he's going over to eat like leftover food on tables and stuff so yeah he is living as a thing <laughs> um and then obviously he kind of has this freak out where it's it's a very the whole scanning thing is very weird it looks very melodramatic but in a kind of cool kind of weird way yeah um but she has a seizure and then obviously he runs away um and that's where we 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 introduce mr uh, Dr. Paul Roof. One of the funny things I found in this, and, and that might be me over here misunderstanding the film because it didn't have subtitles on when I tried to watch it. Um, so, and <laughs> that's go-to. Uh, yeah, my go-to. Um, and that's when you know Dr. Dr. Roof kind of says that you know Vale is one of two hundred and thirty-seven scanners um, who are kind of capable of telepathy, empathy, psychokinesis, all of this shit. Yeah. But for me, he was like, you're one of 237 people in the world who can do this. And I don't know if he said people in the world or people in America. Yeah. Because there's like a whole bunch of scanners in this film. And I was thinking, if there's like 237 in the world. You wipe out quite a lot of them in this film. Yeah. And I was kind of, so I was kind of like, it's a bit weird. I think he said in the world. Though. I think he did. Um, but it was really, yeah, I don't know. And then we get we get introduced to like the whole private military kind of stuff, and there's definitely there's a section. So after he take after he's caught, yeah, and that opening scene, there's a, the this is probably this is probably the slowest part of the film. Yeah, we get this building. This is a little bit where I think a lot of people might switch off a bit because a lot of the dialogue is a little bit like so. Let's explain what this is. Let's explain what scanning. Yeah. What this is what's happening to you and this is why but we also but it's weird because 
I didn't want to say that this film was slow because I don't actually think it is. It actually moves it at quite a brisk pace. It does. Yeah. Just this first bit is the only bit it felt. At first I thought, oh no, we're in for this kind of Reach, sci-fi, yeah. slow. They're just going to talk and explain it at us the whole time. And it's not that they don't occasionally ex- have to uh, use a lot of exposition in scenes yeah. and stuff because it is a... It's a big concept they're kind of dealing with, and I can't say that it doesn't get a bit convoluted at times. Oh, oh yeah, at times. But at the same time, it actually moves at fair. So even though we've got these scenes of Cameron Vale in his, like, trying to help him control it and understand how to use it, and it's weird. This bit both felt slow, but also felt a little bit glossed over. It was a fake, yeah. Because he suddenly felt like he was out and about, like doing things like quite not too long after that. We, we also around this time get the introduction of Rivok, played right. by Michael Ironside. Who is incredible. In this he's the he's the vocal boy. He's the actor that's just like every, he's the scene stealer. He reminded, he, I mean, I haven't really seen many films where Michael Ironside is kind of young. No, I was going to say, we've honest. known him for a long time as the, the guy, you know, the guy with the, you know, bold, like, bold head uh, yeah. sides. And, uh, I, I always think of him as um, around, because he's in um, A Few Good Men, isn't he? Michael Ironside. Well, Michael Ironside is basically, he is normally either the asshole army instructor, army leader guy yeah. in charge of something within the army. Starship Troopers. Yeah. Or he just, in general, just plays a character that gets in the way and is a villain. He has kind of been typecast as an asshole or yeah. a villain or just that kind of side character who's like this guy's a dick gruff kind of guy which yeah. is too bad in a way because this performance in this is like layered it's good there's a lot to it like just with facial movements and things and i mean to be fair the dude's scary looking anyway he reminded me of uh jack nicholson yeah yeah in the absolutely. hair yeah, in yeah some of the mannerisms because he does quite, the same way jack nicholson does a lot of kind of acting with his face, you know? Mike Lionside kind of does that. Um, And to touch on the the elephant in the room, um, you were were saying when, you know, they're showing uh, Cameron Vale how to control his powers and stuff like that, I thought, okay, this is what it's got to be. I'd seen, you know, the... I'd seen GIFs and I'd seen, you know, um, kind of clips of the head exploding, you know, the famous head explosion scene. Um, And I kind of thought that this was at the end of the film, but I was surprised that it was only about 12 minutes, 15 minutes into the film that we reached this scene. And I thought, okay, this has got to be the climax. But actually, once we got to this scene and we saw, which in it looks amazing, the way in which the head's done. Um, So (laughs) yeah, no, yeah, that that scene is, obviously that is like the iconic scene of this film. Yeah. Like the iconic known kind of scene within this film. And, um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize it so early either. I thought there'd be more build up of this, like kind of, I thought this film was going to be much more about the kind of hidden stuff not so much that this film is actually a bit more action-packed. It's yeah. actually about more about the hunt for these people than it is just about they're a secret society and all that. There are parts of that, but it is much more like about that. But yeah, let's do the head explosion. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's it. I kind of, I thought this was going to be towards the end of the film. Uh, so first time watching this, I was like, fuck, like what's going to happen in the rest of this film? Yeah, that, I was a bit at that point as well. I was like, oh, this is happening now. I was like, holy shit. So I didn't realise this is the bit when Revok gets basically revealed that he is basically in a contest with the scanners between each other. Yeah. 
and they're going against each other and you just see how much more powerful he is that he's just, you know, and you've got obviously Michael Irons. Yeah, <laughs> you see in the video in face right now. But it literally, it literally looks like he's going, it's weird. You've got the, the, the guy who is literally like struggling. You can see the struggle on his face. The performances are great. Considering yeah. what they're asked to do, basically yeah. is just like movement in facial and body movement. Like you can see the pain on the guy's face, and yet Reva Michael Ironside's character literally looks like he's going through some kind of orgasm. Yeah, it's kind of a weird. <laughs> he literally thing. looks like he's like having pleasure moments. Yeah, like, he like has bits when he's like concentrating, and then he's like, there's like his teeth showing, like his lips going, and he's like, he's like gurning. It literally is like ah, uh, he's like edging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Michael Ironside edges. <laughs> there's two hundred and thirty-seven in the world. I mean that actually while we were talking to this, I, I, I went onto a page and it literally had the trailer. And that was the trailer, and that part of it had scanners. So it's weird. They did show off that. That was like a key known moment. Okay. But the head explosion is incredible. Were you gonna, I thought you said we were gonna say something about the special effects or something. <laughs> yeah, well, so I looked into it a little bit, um, and it took them a long time to kind of get that done. Um, and they eventually were like, okay, we've got to go with a plaster skull gelatin kind of exterior and then they put just scraps and bits and pieces in it including leftover burgers um but loads of techniques failed to do it uh, just failed to make it pop like they wanted to yeah so the um special effects supervisor gary seller apparently just said to everyone like go inside trucks close the doors close the windows he then led down behind it and just shot the back of his head off with a shotgun <laughs> which is how you get that effect it's just really kind of mental, yeah, you know, mad, <laughs> yeah. But it looks so cool, and it's such an iconic, you know, scene that I kind of, like I said, I expected it to be at the end of the film, and then we get that, and after that point, I, I like, was like, okay, I'm in, I'm into this. Yeah, yeah, no, this from this point, and to be fair, from this point on, it does actually start to move at a fairly like a, a quick pace. Actually, it moves from scene to scene in different setups, kind of quite quickly. Um, th- this was one that caught me, and th- when when I first went to before I, I went to watch this, like as I yeah. was watching this film, I was kind of having a little scroll to see like stuff about it and stuff like that. And um, also because I got to be honest, at one point I did kind of lose track of where I was in the plot. Same. I was a bit like, what's going on? So I had to kind of check, which was an odd thing to have to do. And I did say convoluted. And my link to this is this, which I have actually seen on another thing that was from an old like synopsis, right? And this one's actually used from it. So on IMDb, this is the synopsis of the film. And this is why I think you could say straight away it's convoluted. The synopsis is a scientist trains a man with an advanced telepathic ability called scanning to stop a dangerous scanner with extraordinary psychic powers from waging wars against non-scanners. It's so much scanners <laughs> in the title. Like I just thought the synopsis just straight away sounded like, so basically all I can hear is, if, if I was the normal, like a standard person on the street, like, what the fuck is scanner? Yeah, <laughs> like it's like you said, scanner. A, a scanning with a scanner who's a scanners. <laughs> it's like scanner. Okay, I don't know what you're asking me to watch, so I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like people would just be turned off by that synopsis and the idea, like, because kind of from that kind of point, is a bit like, okay, it, yeah, know. it's weird because there were times where I was, I was lost in the plot. I won't lie. Um, such as you know, we get. Uh, we get so you know, Vale is then told by Codsec um, to go and 
infiltrate Revik's group and kill them or do some, yeah, to stop them, assassinate them. Um, but then one of the guys called Keller is working with for Revok as a mole and then tells him. Um, and I guess his idea is that he wants the scanner program to be shut down. Yeah, the Revok, the Revok, well, Revok felt like he wants to kill all other scanners as if he wanted to have like full ultimate power in one way. Yeah. But then it was confusing because he was also working with the laboratory, which was creating stuff that would create. Well, I think he wanted to create uh, an army. Ethereals, I think yeah. it's called. Um, yeah. 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 Um, F-Morale, F- F- which is what Dr. Ruth uh, injects into Cameron to help his sanity come back. Yeah. Which is, but is also what is believed to then be creating them in children later on in the yeah. world. Um, but yeah, so I, I will admit, I just I just decided in my head to go, right, Revolt just wants to kill all of the other scouts. <laughs> he wants to have <laughs> ultimate power, basically. Of the, he, does, he wants to be the only one, and he also hates Dr. Ruth for what he yeah. did and things like that. So he wants to have, and he also knows something more than we don't know, which is revealed towards the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that Revolt wanted to create an army of scanners because he, he's the one behind making you know mass dis- yeah, distribution so yeah so i think he wants to make an army of scanners but he wants keller to get the scanners program shut down by consec because they're tracking them that's why it think might just yeah so i guess it's just the opposing scanners that he wants to get the people that are going against him yeah i think who have the powers who don't agree with his agenda yeah. basically is the ones that are going because i mean and that's like an element whilst i whilst some of the plot i was like at a point i was thinking like so this film's critical of private military companies yeah but our hero is working for them so I was like really I was a bit confused at that, but I did love this whole kind of like shady government, shady corporations and that kind of stuff. You know, when he yeah. goes, when he sees the artist. I don't I don't know if it's a little bit of that like people who are against it that end up becoming part of it anyway in some way yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, I'll admit that this is the this is the kind of my cross with this film is the fact that. And some people might be like, what you want about it? It was a fairly easy... Maybe we <laughs> yeah, just, maybe. Maybe we were just too distracted. I was distracted by things like we've talked about before. Yeah. But um, I, I don't believe that that's totally the case. I do think a general audience kind of person... And as, if I'm looking at this, is like a, if I'm telling people this is a must-see horror kind of thing, yeah. then I've got to take into account the fact that I do think that a lot of general people would get a little bit lost with this film and it might turn them off a little bit. Yeah. Like, it is kind of one of those where I think that kind of the the plot and the exposition kind of parts of the film is a little bit that kind of makes it confusing but at the same time i do think you can just blindly follow it anyway like yeah. i think i was which is basically just i basically had to just take it it's right this is the bad guy yeah. these are the guys that are trying to stop him it seems that he's trying to kill and get rid of other scanners yeah and therefore when i just took it to that level I found it enjoyable and I could also get the social commentary and things yeah, like that. I love the social commentary. And I thought that, that those parts were, were great. Um, and I do just think it, it's at times it's, it's the having to explain the concept of the film almost becomes slight downfall yeah. of the film is that it feels like quite often as if Cronenberg feels like he has to keep on reminding people what this is <laughs> and why they're doing it. And it happens kind of throughout the film that we have little exposition scenes that just kind of talk about 
the scanners. And yes, it's revealing more information, but I don't know why. I guess sometimes when you've got a big concept of an idea, and this is a great concept. Yeah. I love the idea. It's it's a terrifying concept. You know what I mean? Um, but sometimes with these concepts, sometimes less is more. And I think you still could have had all that societal kind of context without having to keep on like going too far with the scanner kind of part of it. We, we, like, I think a lot of it was easy to interpret in certain ways. Yeah. That was my, that's, that's just one of the parts that was like a, a great for me. However, the, the actual scanners and the power that they have, like what Michael Ironside has, you know, like when, when he manages to escape from the police car yeah, and he literally like, manages to make them kill themselves. And yeah, like that scene, that scene was awesome. Like, like they're literally oh, yeah. burning. Bad, the guy's right? trying to save the burning car and you got to agree with the other guy and he's like, they're dead. It's like, fucking hell, the whole thing's engulfed. Yeah. What are you going to pull out a burning corpse? Yeah. Like, but then, yeah, the fact that it makes them kill them, like kill themselves is, is, is terrifying. It is literally one of the, I think this is one of the most kind of terrifying like powers that you could have. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a really kind of grim scene where uh, Vale and the woman he's with, Obrist, I think her name is, are going into um, some facility. I don't, that's the one thing is this well, concept is uh, like, laboratory there's like a concept laboratory. Yeah. There's like a bio something amalgamate business. As oh well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going into one of those, con- you know, <laughs> yeah, buildings yeah. Um, and there's guards and the guards aim their gun. And then Vale kind of projects that. Oh yeah. yeah. His, his mother into the guy's mind and the guy yeah. just breaks down crying. And it's like, that's just what I that was yeah. one of those scenes that I found because um I, I said about like the convoluted other thing, and there is a little bit of it, but again, quite often it's just in the actual the best times that we find out more information about what the scanners can do is through the actions, yeah, not the words. That's what that's kind of what I was getting at is the, the fact that these are terrifying powers, and we actually find out more from when Revoc or Vale, those characters actually yeah. do it, not explain it to us, just do it. Well, kind of yeah. So, like, I love the fact he can. So, like, Veil, for instance, shows that he can like uh, use a person's fears against them in that way with the yeah. mother, um, and then it, they can even make them see other people. So yeah, that's, that's another awesome. reveal. Um, they can control their actions, like Revok does with killing the the the, the, the officers in charge. Look, or the men in charge, or whoever. Yeah. This the shady. The <laughs> sh- yeah. You get this a lot in eighties horror, like the shady guys in. Yeah. Uh, in windbreakers yeah. that are there to kind of, you know, reminds me of like the guys at the start of like Halloween three. Yeah. You know, that, that yeah, kind those of guys. Um, the Dick Warlocks. They can, scanners can destroy their brains, not just from literally <laughs> exploding them. We found that they can do that, but they can literally basically infiltrate their minds so much that they basically become like brain dead shells. Um, and obviously make them explode. Even like that is like, but we even find out that they can even interact with things as Vale does interact with other hive brains or, or things that are like a brain. Yeah. So like computer systems, phone lines, anything that's connected and linked, the scanners can actually hack into that system with their brain. Or at least Vale can. It's not so clear if Revok has that kind mm. of ability. So it kind of gives this idea that some of them have slightly different ways that they can use the power. Yeah. So, because not all of them show exactly that, because Revox seems quite impressed that Vale is able to do that. Yeah. And that's why later, like, that's why later we kind of reveal that Revox actually kind of, he doesn't, 
he either wants him with him or he wants his power. That's yeah. that's it, that kind of thing. Like the Reebok is, he, and we said about the opposing and stuff, but Reebok is actually trying to take, as if he's trying to get more and more power. It's kind of links, it's just Michael Ironside's head, but it kind of gives you an idea of why his head is, <laughs> that's actually his head. And yet in the same way, Michael Ironside having a big head plays into the idea that almost like his brain's expanding with yeah. every scanner he takes kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, that what, what I thought was kind of grim is, you know, um, <clears throat> they kind of reveal that like the scanners are kind of overwhelmed by voices and stuff like that from maybe yeah. hearing people's thoughts. The one dude can, you know, he channels, he stops it by channeling his kind of stuff into his art, whereas Michael Ironside's Reebok just drills a hole into the front of his head. Oh yeah, that that fucking that gross. was that was a great use of um, <laughs> I I because I looked into that because yeah the other one the uh, Benjamin Pierce scene is the artist who uses it in that yeah. way, um, but then the interesting use of uh, mental health because it shows the way like mental health but it, again that's kind of social commentary on the mental health like ways that it was before the 80s the fucking horrific things they used Not to mad, do to yeah people, or even possibly a little bit past the 80s in fact but like the horrific stuff that they used to do to people in mental health facilities but that's called um tre- tre- uh, tree panning tree panning yeah. tree panning tre- where you, you you drill a hole into your brain and the idea is that it relieves pressure from your brain and therefore helps yeah. with your mental <laughs> which is such a fucking insane also, idea also i remember they used to do it to release demons from your head as well. yeah exactly it's meant to be this kind of thing so i love the fact that he uses this kind of history to kind of so he he drills that from because that 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 was all the way back into like medieval times yeah the the idea that first came around is that they could basically just hammer something into your head you're fixed yeah i've drilled a hole in your head and you're fine and 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 stuff like that is where the whole lobotomy kind of thing came from because like you it's weird to say that you can you could and please don't do this you could get something stuck in your head or drill something into your head and actually your brain depending on which part you hit your brain could actually you could actually still be a normal so the reason that people would believe that they were feeling a reaction or a change is because yes your brain has changed because you've just destroyed part of it yeah and therefore your mind is actually slightly duller or dimmer than yeah. it was before because your brain has actually lost a large mass of uh, intelligence and other parts of your brain. <laughs> However, lobotomy came from the trepanning thing as well, because then they found out that if you hit a certain point, it can get rid of all of those things. Ah, oh, nice. And therefore, lobotomies became a thing, and you had people <laughs> like, there's even the classic the fact that they believe that like JFK's, one of JFK's sisters was lobotomized in oh, history. Nice. Like she was in a mental facility, and obviously back then, mental facilities were basically just put them inside of a building, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, basically, yeah. but even worse, I think, is, is the reality of it. Yeah, Stick them inside, do these things, electrocute them, stick stuff in their brains, do stuff like that. So it will work eventually, you know, yeah. one of these things. One of them will work. It kills most of them, but eventually <laughs> we're going to find a way to it's fix so their hard. mental health. It's a horrible part of history. It, there's even there's even questions with our overall family as to whether one of theirs was in that situation yeah. as well back in that time. So, um, you know, it's it's really uh, crazy, but I love the fact that he uses that part of history on that character. It gives such a depth to his character yeah. to show that he used it. I don't think it helped him in any way. If anything, I think that's what made him more 
of a cruel kind of yeah, creation. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's helped. I, it doesn't seem like it's destroyed. Like, I think maybe it's shut off part of his brain that hears <laughs> those thoughts. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it's a nice part of that kind of history that he gives. And, you know, and it's also just back to that kind of terrifying of the interesting is the, the idea of mind control is weird to say because when people say they want certain powers and stuff, you hear like flying, invisibility yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but then when you hear the most powerful like powers, you hear like, oh, they've got some kind of ability to create this or create that or that. You don't normally hear the fact that mind control is the one that's just like, would fuck up. you know what I mean? Like the, if I think of the films like Village of the Damned. Yeah. And um, uh, what was it? They have one on top of my head. Um, I had yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm get talking. out. Yeah, had, get out. Had mind control. Hypnosis, uh, yeah. They live. Had mind control. Yeah, with true. all the creatures like getting yeah. inside their head. Clockwork Orange. All of these had, and um, a, a recent a recent one, which again is a oh, it's a bit of a. <laughs> I feel like I keep talking about Marvel things, but this was a Netflix. <laughs> this was Jessica Jones on uh, Netflix. And uh, David Tennant played a character called Kilgrave, and his yeah. power was to, and that one actually just stuck in my brain because it is a one that actually show really shows how mind control could really be the horriblest thing because he basically he used it for like rape, he used oh, it damn. for all kinds of he made people literally just like he killed in that series like although it was that it was Netflix one so it was darker and grayer. Yeah. Like it basically insinuated that like she had been you know beaten and abused by him using his powers and she yeah. couldn't and she was terrified to ever escape because it was literally like it was like an abusive relationship at the worst level because he could just mind you can never get away from me and yeah. I'll kill you if you try and I literally all I have to do is this and he literally like one of her friends is just literally like there he's, I think he's like stood in front of her and just goes jump in front of the train bang oh, so jump off the building and it's that and, and that's what I'm just like mind control is probably the scariest of all of them because it's just the idea that you lose complete, complete control yeah. and it shows it in this film when the guy like shoots himself in the head or you know those kind of yeah, moments no where you're like you, you're done you know what I mean and it, that's terrifying because a lot of people would probably almost put this closer to sci-fi but I think that that oh, power a, is what makes it there's plenty of blood and gore in this film it's through, a but, sci-fi horror but yeah. it's it's that that's kind of that really helps is that it is terrifying the idea when you really think about it. Oh yeah, it's fucking grim, man. You know. um, we mentioned the Benjamin Pierce, which is the artist. Yeah. Inside of, so that, that's, that scene drew me in as another kind of, that was one of my kind of, um, it was a good point when we, because I think this is when he was trying to seek out other people and yeah. use Benjamin Pierce's character to then find that group that we then yeah. get a which is was a, also a very cool kind of scene that comes after that. But this one, it, it's so oddly, he's got so because it's the artist's room, so you've got all this crazy piece of art, and then you've got that giant head that yeah. they sit inside of. Yeah, which was like it's such a like a weird like I just remember looking again. This is an impressive head, but who's so weird that they're like inside of the head? Yeah, I thought... a film about like what your brain can do, and that it sat basically inside of the brain of the yeah. head, kind of thing. It was, it was quite on the nose, wasn't it? You know. Well, for me, it was a it was a bit of a not what happened after it, um, because obviously you get the the, the military guys, whatever they're meant to yeah. be, that come in to infiltrate. Yeah, but they don't see that. What if Cameron's the Revix assassins? I think yeah, are, yeah, yeah, Revix assassins. That's a good, we'll call them that. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't realize that Cameron's inside, 
and obviously Benjamin Pierce decides to leave. However, one of my things, and this this was one of my things with the film in general, is that that um, that scene, the the dialogue and the sound editing was awful. Oh yeah, it was gash. It was literally like one. It looked like they weren't actually even in the same scene together, as in like those two actors were never even in the same room because the way they were talking was literally like. The, the actor who plays Benjamin Vell was literally as if he was just talking to that and Cameron as well. It was like it was like they were talking to someone else in a completely different, yeah. or they were just like, because, and the way it was shot was like one-to-one. So again, it, it doesn't give, because there, was, there wasn't any wide shots to show you them there, together. I think there was, a, there was one, I think. I think when they were going inside, there was a shot of them together. There was one where he was, um, where Benjamin Pierce was, I think, I don't know, it was on top of like, whether he was lying on a bed or he was like he was sat he was he was a, he was on top of something um and Vale was below him and he spoke to him and um Benjamin Pierce climbed down a ladder or something like that yes they, they definitely were because I, I think when they went in and went out they, they definitely were but it, the problem is that I hate scenes when it gives you the idea that they're basically the actors might not have even been talking yeah. to each other and this is what it felt like they weren't talking to each other and the sound editing especially on voices in this film and this isn't the only scene we get one with like Kim later on when he gets that house yeah and when certain actors are talking it's almost as if they're not in sync at times it's yeah. like it's like that you, you know and I would sometimes put that down to maybe I just had a bad copy of it, but this was like a the you know I was watching it on Amazon and it was a yeah it was a good it, it was a good quality version of it. It was I believe a version of the like a, a recent release which was the yeah. HD update. So that gives me an idea that it's always been like that kind of thing. But yeah, potentially. And it know? just it just was one of those things. It's not that the music is bad in this, but the sound editing on voices and stuff like that it just seems to be so poorly yeah. done. Um, and I'll admit that at times I've had, I said before, dialogue at times isn't amazing. It's, no. it's a little bit of a downfall. However, <laughs> in that same scene when Benjamin Pierce leaves and then gets completely blasted like crazy yeah. around the room, and like you see him trying to use, you even get like a green, there's like a different color. Like there's like a greenness that comes out of him as well at one point. It's really weird. Oh, really? I missed yeah. that. Because I saw like the blood coming out of him and I was like, the only thing I thought of was he's like trying to communicate. He's getting, yeah, there's something isn't with there. his brain. Like he's trying to, but he's obviously too fucked to do he's, it. Yeah, he's trying to scan. And then obviously we get Cameron cut. Like finally, like he's obviously they they aren't aware he's there because they're like looking at his. Yeah. That's it. We're done. We've got rid of this guy. They obviously went here for Cameron. They were here for Benjamin. Yeah. But um, and then he comes out and he fucks them all up by like, he throws them around the room. He he doesn't full on like I don't know if he, he doesn't full on. I don't feel like he does stuff that necessarily completely kills them though. It's not like Revok where he'd literally like blow their brains out. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't like blow their brains out and stuff. He just kind of gets inside their head and makes them collapse, yeah. throws them round, yeah, hits like them that. against stuff. Because there's a they might be seen later, isn't it? Where all the where they kind of because he he kind of uh, after this he scans uh, Benjamin Pierce's brain for the know, information for yeah. the information, and then he goes and they're all sat around in circles. Yeah, this is that like group where we've got a whole group of scanners. Yeah, and this is where we're introduced to Kim, the yeah, you know the uh, the lady that I don't know. <laughs> Can never quite work out if they were really pushing towards. The, the, there's a one bit in the plot which I, I feel like I completely missed it because Kim is the later on you've revealed to be pregnant. 
I believe. No, she's not pregnant. Oh, she's not pregnant. She's um she was one of the ones that was I don't know. No. <laughs> so basically that scene is I swear she said arch baby or something. That's why I was like so I was like, you two never had sex. Yeah, they scanned. I was, like, I was expecting you because it was that kind of 80s. Yeah. Well, I was like expecting you to get your fuck up. But... Yeah. No, what happens is um so it's when they find out that um you know going back to the whole trialing kind of substances and drugs on pregnant women they find out that um revic is distributing the i can't remember what it's called f ethylene ephemeral ephemeral he's he's put, giving it to doctors to prescribe to women um which and, then makes the children yeah have the scan have power. the scan and then when cameron is talking to one of them um, she, uh, Obrist is sat outside and there's a pregnant woman opposite her and the baby is kind of, I don't know, maybe scanning in the womb. So she has to kind of run off and then, they, oh, okay. and then she gets hit with a dart. <laughs> See, that, that's why I was like, I, I suppose she said something about a baby and things like that. And I thought, she, I thought she said like our child. So I was like, what are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you've lost me again. Yeah. That bit lost me. Um, Yeah. And then we get yeah, that whole group scene. We get like a proper massacre of them by yeah. Revic's assassins who come in. You get them like blasting against the wall, brain blows out. You get a guy thrown down the stairs and they yeah. have like cracks at the bottom of the stairs. And yeah, you get a whole like massacre. They ha- they all pile in, the ones surviving piling to like a bus kind yeah. of thing, like a little mini bus and try to escape. But they're still just getting fucked, <laughs> like shot at. Yeah, that I think was... only Kim and Cameron get out of it. Yeah, they're the only ones. All of the rest of the scanners. We have like, and there's uh, there's quite a few scenes of scanners just getting hunted down, just getting killed. Like, yeah, it's like all the sixty cents. Yeah, <laughs> all getting gunned down. Yeah, it, it is it, but that's what I mean. It goes from like each of these kind of scenes with uh, you know with Revok escaping to then Cameron going to yeah. Benjamin and then that, and it it does all feel like quite a lot. Of set. The, again, the only time it feels like it slows down a little bit again is when we get to the exposition in t- inside of the laboratories and we're trying to explain what's happened and why it's happened and even then because the characters don't actually get full information because they don't realize the truth until they get to revoke really yeah. at the end i don't think they get little bits so we're kind of we're following them on their investigation as they get a little bit of information these times to kind yeah. of fa- finally get there um you get um keller who you mentioned earlier as yeah. kind of his Revox henchman, I almost called him. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he kills, um, he kills Paul Roof. Yeah, he does. Um, who seems to be in some some kind of st- st- uh, trance to try and like he's trying to send some information. I think. So it's kind uh, of yeah. Hard. I just remember him getting blasted. And it's, get blasted? it's very hard. Like he's, I gotta be honest, like he's a character that every time he spoke, my brain went a little <laughs> bit dead because I was like, I don't really get. I don't know. I don't. I'm not following what you're on about half the time. Yeah, he was the exposition character, and uh, <laughs> quite often I was like, okay, I, d- I just want to see where they're going to go with this next. <laughs> I don't, yeah, again. Um, but this is when I said about the whole that Cameron can infiltrate and get into the computer systems and things like that, which is fucking mental. So through the phone, and this this scene I thought was really like really cool um, that we have we have Keller's downfall in this way because Keller's the one that makes the guy say, no, like you need to, yeah, basically like he's so obsessed for Revok with hunting yeah. him down. He's like, basically do the, what is like a self-destruct system kind of thing yeah. on the computers. 
but they don't. It's not that kind of subject. It's meant to wipe everything. It's not meant to be like a, this will all explode. Yeah, it's just meant to wipe everything back. But then Cameron, signaling through a phone line on the other end, manages to start making all of it overload, and we start having like computers exploding and the tops blowing off of them, and the scientists like some of them get kind of blasted in the face with flames and fire. You see some of them burnt a little but bit. One of them was like, "Can we hurt him?" And I'm like. Are you gonna like how are you gonna hurt him telepathically? <laughs> You're gonna download like a, a computer yeah. virus so he scans it and dies. <laughs> but uh, it was a really cool scene. It's really like cool. I said, yeah. It's just fucking batshit. It's just yeah, it's mad. It, it's just you just see all of the systems exploding and you see Keller basically an explosion goes on. But one put one detail I did really like is the fact that it's almost like um the scanner's powers give off when they're really using it fully, it's almost like it gives off some kind of radioactive kind of like yeah. heat from them or something because the phone that he's on, that he's communicating through, that is literally melted by the yeah. time he's done. Like as if it's so much power that he's radi- like almost like a mega microwave or something. He's giving yeah. off, emitting this power. Um, I liked those little details. I like the fact that Keller died because he was a prick. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I liked those little details. Again, it's weird to say, but I love these little social commentary parts of it, and I love the special effects in this film. Oh, the yeah. Special effects are fucking amazing. Like those explosion scenes, the death, the use of the scanners. Um, uh, it, it just, it as I said, it just is those little bits of exposition. I think that just bring it down a little bit because it just got a bit convoluted at times. Oh yeah, it just that's the only thing that draws me back. However, definitely those special effects parts definitely make it. I understand completely like certain parts of why people love this. Kind yeah, of film. I mean, should we um, jump to the end? Yeah, let's get to the Revox scene because that that is one of the best scenes in the film. And it's the it's the scene that's on the poster technically. That yeah, that classic poster is the form that Revox kind of takes towards the end. Yeah, which um, is yeah again. It's just fucking weird, man. <laughs> I think I can't it's crazy. Think so, like the big, re- well, let's go to the big reveal that he re- Revok reveals about them. Yeah. So, you know, that they are. Yeah. You are my brother. You are my brother. And um, that Doctor Roof, Roof, Doctor Paul Roof's been making all these scanner babies. Yeah. Because he is the father. I and I like that. Yeah. Because, I, but what I thought was cool was when Revok was like. You don't have any memories, do you? They fought you out when, you know, when they couldn't control me anymore and they needed to stop me. And it, it makes sense with, like, the start of the film where he's just living this vagrant life. And it, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, and then, obviously, he says about... That's when he says, you know, he wants him on his, his side and he wants to create a team of armies and that he's been betrayed. And, you know, I, at this point, I was thinking, like... Yeah, you know, the, the guys who um, set him up on it, you know, Consec are absolute assholes, man. Like, they made scanners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mad concept, and what follows it is a fucking mad scene. Yeah. Um, so, Revok tries to get, obviously, he, he's kind of once, he's impressed with Cameron's powers, especially from that, yeah. that computer, like, scene, like, that he's impressed with what he's able to do in such a Again, with camera, it's odd because it, with cameras in such a short, it, what feels like a short amount of time yeah, to embrace his powers fully, like whereas Revox being like almost on full power for like a long time. Yeah. So I guess it kind of shows that Cameron is maybe more powerful naturally than Revox is and Revox is more kind of had to 
music, yeah, you know, yeah. it's the classic light and dark. Yes. <laughs> um, but Revart basically, if Cameron doesn't want to join him, then it's basically that he'll just take him. Yeah. And that means basically taking the power from him, I think. So I like, feel like that's what I assumed. It it's was. like almost like taking the, the information, the knowledge from his brain and like it's in a, that kind of way to kind of suck that power yeah. out of him kind of thing. And then they, the, the telepathic jewel starts and they both start putting on their cum faces, you know, and they're like looking at each other. Uh, and th- then- this is the crazy thing about this. And I like, this is mad. Like, like in this film to think like, if, if, imagine that you're the like the actor. Yeah, and it's just literally like, like how are you going to like think about how to do that scene? Like, uh, like uh, David Cronenberg, and I'm saying, to yeah. like, right, you've got to, right. The scene is you've got to attack each other in a mind duel. So basically, what I want you to do, Bobby, is I want you to think about taking a shit. Yeah, <laughs> and I want you to really. This is a really hard one. Like you're really straining to get it out of here, and it's coming. <laughs> But it's just not there, and you're like on full. Yeah. <laughs> and just and then imagine you release that, oh. <laughs> and then like I just imagine like how David Cronenberg explained yeah. how to do this, like this face. It, it, it's like when you imagine like any actor doing anything where it's like they haven't got pat like the Force in Star Wars or like yeah. any movement in like in, like Doctor Strange or something where they move their hands or something. It's like. You have to do this. There's nothing there. You're just like, my hand. You have to spend time. Actually, yeah. the best one I think is Magneto in any of the X-Men films. Right? Yeah. It's like doing the, ah, I'll pull you in, I'll pull yeah. you out. Like, you have to do this major concentration, but really all you're doing is you're put, <laughs> pushing your hand around. But in this one, it's, it's more about the facial expression. It is, and It's yeah. like, I mean, one, that's like, we said that Cameron Bell is wooden, but, you know, he had some, it did, especially this last bit, he has some pretty oh, yeah. good, props, you know. So. Props yeah. for that, but it's again, it's still my client size, the one I'm looking at most of the time. Yeah, his face, the way he kind of moves it and changes it, he still looks evil. I don't know if he just, he just looks evil. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that's why my client size is kind of typecast. I'm sorry, my client. Sorry about that, but it just looks that way. But then it's he, he, the way he manages to change it that you almost feel like you can follow what he's doing at certain times yeah. in this weird way when you can't at all follow what he's doing. But yeah, but the special effects. Oh, the special scene. effects are incredible. Some I, mean, the, I mean, the one bit that kind of disgusted me is I think as they're kind of, you know, they're engaged in this telepathic jaw, they start to kind of bleed a little bit from their head. Um, and then it starts with Cameron Vale, where we start to see almost like his veins enlarge. Oh, yeah. And they start to like sprawl up along his arm and his head. And the same happens to Michael Ironside. You kind of see these massive. It's crazy. You can, see it. you can see it's obviously like some kind of, you know, like almost like plasticine or so, like that kind of like the way they've built the yeah. kind of veins to be these over the top kind of veins, you know what yeah. I mean? Like proper. But it still worked because like, They've pumped it full of blood and stuff, so you start to get blood spurting out of the veins. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's uncomfortable, as if like you could concentrate that much, like you taking that shit. Yeah. <laughs> that suddenly your veins just gonna like yeah. blood start gonna pouring yeah. out like by the end of your poo, you're literally just covered in blood. Covered in blood. And shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually what it's like. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and he even has this weird, like, almost like acid. Yeah, he's burning his skin like on starts one part of his body. Almost. Yeah, and then he's he, and then Michael Ironside starts kind of like itching his face and pulling bits of skin off, and his his eyes start rolling into that what like that. That's when he's 
fully taking home almost over, isn't it? Yeah, when his but eyes we, we do get this bit well, where Kevin Bale's eyes pop as well. Oh, that bit's awesome. But, but just nice. before we get the eye pop, we get a moment where we think that maybe Cameron's doing something. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's stopped him for a second. He's not exploding as much. And he's like that as if he's suddenly going to get the upper hand. One thing I absolutely loved about this, and obviously there is a twist to this, but I loved the fact that, like I said before, that Cameron's pretty much fairly new to this. Revok has been going for yeah. what feels like possibly like a decade of power yeah. here, of building on his power. So the idea that someone like, and you get this a lot in like films where you get the hero and they come in and, you know, after what feels like a very short amount of time, suddenly they're able to defeat yeah. the Maven. And, and, and here, you pretty much, it's like, I don't quite know why you've gone up against him in this way because you're fucked, mate. And yeah. It fe- it, that's what it feels like. And it, it was actually quite nice for a moment to feel like actually the villain he is much more powerful. Than yeah. You. You're going to try, but you are getting completely destroyed to the point where your eyes burst, which is amazing. Fucking class. Such a cool, like, effect. You start getting sound fire. That, that's the point when you're like, right, okay, so he's definitely fucked. Yeah, I was like, give up. Your eyes are gone, man. And then he sets on fire. Yeah. Different parts of his body start to burn. His hands start to... At first, I thought the, the fire bit, because earlier on, we had someone who had almost like a kind of his scab power, but you saw like an inkling of sync about fire. Yeah. So at first I thought that was Cameron coming in with like, because actually I think behind before his eyes pop, you get the slight idea that his hands start to yeah. burn. And I was like, is this some power that you've got that he hasn't got? Are we about to find some? And then yeah. it's like, oh no, you're just burning. You're just burning alive. <laughs> you're just burning. And his whole body just starts to mash away. But yeah, then we get the eye rolling and you get a bit of a change in reaction on Revox's face. But yeah. you just assume that this is just him fully taking that power over yeah which is awesome and then you get that awesome shot of kim coming out yeah um i think she was passed out wasn't she from the drugs yeah she wakes up and back we open the door and there is the drained burned corpse of cameron on the ground which looked amazing it did it it didn't just look like a burnt corpse it looked like as if he drained everything out yeah kind of thing it it was such a cool shot which i was just like that's a proper like again 80s sci-fi like more particularly but they had a lot of these kind of uh bleak endings yeah like it just comes to an end like it's revealed that that person wasn't really there or you know or yeah. that person's been dead the whole time you know these kind of bleak endings they had so i fully expected it just to be that kind of bleak kind of ending. yeah uh, however as we did talk about area and i do think that the the seeds are left uh, are put through for this in the film because we do find that although revox seems to be fantastic at controlling people yeah and making them do stuff we never get any idea that Revok has any major higher powers, whereas that computer scene shows that Cameron had a different kind of intellectual power. Yeah. That his body, and that's when it's actually revealed that Cameron has sacrificed his body, basically. That's what he's done. He sacrificed his body. Yeah. So that while his body was getting destroyed, so what felt maybe like he wasn't really fighting back, but what he was actually doing was infiltrating his brain yeah as in while revok was so focused well this is the way i took it revok was so focused on literally destroying him they almost didn't realize that cameron was sneaking his way inside of his brain yeah. and actually taking over so not just taking his power he was taking over revok yeah. because then we get the reveal at the end when he's in cameron's coat and he turns yeah. around and a very cool effect. And I did notice this earlier. I think I did say one thing about Cameron Bell's wooden acting was uh, 
his acting is wooding, but his eyes are beautiful. Yeah, he has beautiful eyes. <laughs> beautiful green eyes. Yes. And uh, I, I assume that was probably actually contacts or so to make for this scene, because then at the end we have Michael Ironside and you see those beautiful green eyes and, and you hear Cameron's voice, not Reva. Yeah, and the hole on his head's gone. Those yeah. beautiful green eyes. Those yeah. kind of things. So we realise that, oh, actually he didn't die and he's defeated Reebok yeah he sacrificed himself bodies with Reebok yeah yeah so he's now kind of in control and therefore in control of all of the stuff that Reebok and gives you a actually what you think was a bleak ending gives you a weirdly slight kind of because it's weird he said because it just he just says you know it's over we won yeah and then it ends and I was like I was really confused because whilst watching it I'd got to the point where I was like so Consec, uh, you know, obviously created the scanners, but Revec is distributing to make more. Yeah, so there's so going to be more. Kind of so both the over. bad guys. And I was yeah. like, it's not really over because you know that there's pregnant scanners out there. So where do we go from now? What are you going to do with that? Yeah, so and he is definitely uh, left. Yeah, and like the idea that. of what that Consec we're using the scanners for, if I got this correct, war for military purposes and for assassinations yeah so you there's, there's least, definitely yeah. more there I, <laughs> I mean i know that there is a scanners too but david cronenberg had nothing to do with that yeah um which i believe was not very well received at all no. not very deemed which was purely made because this film was the film that kind of put david cronenberg back cronenberg, <laughs> cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> his knockoff, the guy his who makes knockoff knock films of his, yeah. Cronenberg. Cronenberg, scammers. <laughs> he's known for that because he's always walking around with a kind of Cronenberg. Yeah. <laughs> In a black bag. In a black bag. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, David Cronenberg's, um, yeah, he, he, di- he didn't make the sequel, but this film is kind of the one that put him on the map yeah. of America because he's of Canadian. And yeah. this, his, a lot of his films were more Canadian. This was more of a Canadian, actually, close production kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it was so well received, and it made actually is one of the first ones to make a big, like, bigger hit for him and make one of his higher yeah. box office profits. Kind of thing. So it, it, it brought him into the mainstream from just this little body horror from like his earlier works, like The Brood and The um, uh, um, Shivers. Shivers. Things like that. So it kind of gave him this up and, you know, but obviously the studio that owned it were like, well, but we kind of own that. So we'll make a sequel yeah. even without you. And <laughs> made a, I know, made, I believe he completely was like, yeah. I have no part of that. That's, I don't know what they were doing with that. Well, they made another sequel to that, a third one. Did they? Yeah, they made a third one. only two. <laughs> no, and then they made two spin-offs. And one of them was called Scanner Cop. <laughs> <laughs> so they definitely took it in the completely. Where his is like a, a quite a, like a, a well-made kind of dark kind of like yeah. bleak, but kind of look at the world with societal commentary. I can only assume the sequels are basically just like you scan me, I scan you. <laughs> I blow your head up. Yeah, I scan you. I, I got to be honest. After that first scene. That was it. That was one disappointment. As it spends a few more head explosions. <laughs> Every yeah. time he went up against someone, I kind of just wanted Reebok to just go pop, 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 <laughs> yeah. boom. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see heads explode because that first bit was so cool. It was awesome, man. Um, um, it's yes, yeah, so it was really 
uh, interesting, if not weird, kind of concept yeah. for a film. Now, we did say uh, going forward, what we'll try to do is kind of think about, do we think it should be its place on this yeah. on this poster? And in a lot, all of these films, I believe, are in most top 100 kind of horror yeah, films anyway that I've seen online. So therefore, do we think it belongs as a must-see, as in everyone should like, if you're a horror fan, everyone should see it. And what kind of rating off the top of our head would we give this film? So I don't know what you're thinking. You can have a minute to think about that. Yeah, kind of I mean, before I think, I'll go to the social media lap. Yeah, do before that. we do that. So I do need a little, a little minute to think of that. Um, so over, obviously, over on um, Twitter and Instagram, we put up the episode that we're going to be recording. We get your views. Um, so over on Twitter at CMTH Podcast. Uh, Steph M said uh, I remember seeing that when it came out on HBO and it freaked me out a real classic and should be watched by any horror aficionado um, interesting speaks volumes then when I watched this for the first time about a month ago it was just <laughs> friggin weird um, JM said I uh, first watched it very late night when I was about 10 years old the exploding head scene was both the coolest and most horrifying thing my young guys had ever seen uh, which I get. Um, and then Moments in Time and Space said, um, I consider it a classic and every horror fan should watch it at least once. Plus, it is Cronenberg, whose films I could watch all day long. And yeah, I would agree. Um, I would say that I think this goes on the 100 must-see horrors. I think it does deserve its place there. I, if I was just getting into horror, I don't think I would jump straight into this because I think... You probably, you know, yeah. maybe got to be into it. This just really isn't, uh, it, this, I wouldn't put this on any beginner horrors list. No. You need to kind of get the subtlety that can kind of come with horror. I, I think, and we know, like, when you start out in horror films, you like things like slashes are easily accessible. Yeah. To, you know, certain kind of supernatural ones are easily accessible or things like that. But the, mainly the ones that don't have tons of depth to them but we are at the point now where we've looked at so many films yeah. like, that we are starting to get to some that we've never visited but they have much more depth and they can't really be confined necessarily just to horror yeah but they have got like a layered kind of and Cronenberg is always going to no matter what of his films we're going to see it's going to have that I don't know if the fly is on there I would have hoped I the think fly the fly is on there yeah so the fly again we know has that kind of you know, it, it's body horror, but it has so much more to it than just a body yeah. horror. I personally really want to get more, as I said, because I haven't really watched him. So now I really want to watch a bunch yeah. of his films to really get to know what his kind of style is more. Because, yeah. you know, I know that he's known as like a master of body horror, but, yeah. you know, to a certain extent, but also just known as a great director. In yeah, general. definitely. So, yeah, I'm definitely more drawn into that. Anyway, so um, um, I would say it belongs on there. Um, in terms of rating, I think whilst some of the performances were a bit wooden and almost, you know, uh, but I, I think that kind of added to the charm a little bit. Um, I loved a lot of, the, you know, the subtext. Um, I thought that was incredible. I thought a lot of, you know, the gore was great, the concept. Um, I yeah, I would highly reveal. We'll, we'll think about a lot of rating. So we did say the other week. Well, rating is going to be out of a ten, I think. So yeah. we've got room to kind of do because we've got a hundred of them to do. Otherwise, we're just going to get freeze, 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 yeah. five, 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 or we're just going to get tens of fives because they're all great. You yeah. know what I mean? Like 
I don't think that happened. But I think at ten gives you a little bit more to be like a mm, it's a seven point five or it's a yeah. six point. Yeah, it'll still be point five. But um, for me, yeah, you go. Um, oh, and I was going to sound <laughs> socials, but I couldn't actually find them because I'd done them on a story and uh, got lost oh, in well the mystery. <laughs> the only one I remember is. Again, my friend Hooten and his only comment was mind blowing. Nice, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, it is. I think this purely deserves it. Some horrors can deserve it from several standpoints because one for horror, it's all about at the end of the day the blood, the gore, and the special effects are are major parts. If those yeah. fail, then you're just not going to work. And this is absolutely 100% a great, great special effects body horror film. Yeah. Like, this has interesting concepts. It's visually, you know, it, the, the ideas look great. It, obviously, it looks like this kind of 80s sci-fi, yeah. absolutely in style. Um, but, you know, I think it's a very interesting film. And um, I just, the only thing, and I've mentioned it several times already, is just, bit of convoluted at time you know if not a bit convoluted with its ideas even though the concept is fantastic um dialogue and sound editing as i mentioned were a letdown at times for me i just think and again yeah. i find this with quite a few 80s horrors again it just tends to be they weren't always great at that kind of part yeah. of it you know what i mean um i didn't find it slow though and i expected to okay so that was an upside i expected to find it slow but i moved for the plot well in a range and it has a range of horror and action sequences that are actually very good and exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I overall I, I think this is I think this is great. It's it's definitely I understand why it is a cult classic, and that's why I, I also understand why it's cult and not just general. Yeah, because I do believe for some people you will watch this and go that's shit. It doesn't deserve yeah. to be Probably. on the film. Probably. There will be some people like that, and everyone's got different tastes and stuff. There will definitely be some people I think you would say. That's not one of the best horror films I've ever seen. That yeah. doesn't deserve on this list. However, I just think certain scenes are just iconic. Yeah. And that brain buster of a scene early on in the film, or even the one towards the fight towards the end, yeah. those two scenes alone, I think, are just worth it because they're such well thought out where they use this concept to such an interesting way, not just from the body horror perspective, but how we view it as people, yeah. how we would be terrified of it. And I've already said the mind control concept is amazing. Um, so out of 10. Out of 10. Uh, drop what, that number. What, to, uh, to have as a thing, what would you put wreck at? I would put wreck. Well, funnily enough, I, I, I have letterbox. Um, and if anybody, oh, yeah. Yeah, if anybody I have letterbox, to, I always forget to update. <laughs> exactly. If anybody wants to find me, it's Robbie underscore CMDH. Um, wreck, I put as three and a half stars out of five. Which, I enjoyed a, it. A three and a half, I'd probably put like a, a, probably about seven point five or something like that. Like yeah, seven, 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 seven point five. five. I was going to say seven point five for wreck. That was my yeah. kind of thought. Ha- had some great, uh, some great. Mo- Actually, I might move seven. I think a seven. Okay. There was some really interesting concept. I, I, I weirdly, I know that this film's really weird, and yet I do think that this is a better film. Oh, Scan- yeah, I, I do think Scanner. It's a better film than Wreck. Wreck, because it felt like an amalgamation of several different horrors. And again, if you haven't watched our Wrecker episode, go back and find Must yeah. See Horror um, from only a couple of weeks ago. So it's, you know, it's 
interesting. It was an interesting film. It had some great scenes and some amazing shots, stairwell shots and things like that. But I don't know. There was just something that I don't know if it's found footage for me or something yeah. like that. They just didn't rise that peak. And, you know, I don't want to say, I think for me, I think in my head, like saying a three, I've equated like a seven in my head. Yeah. I think if we fall below seven, then I think I'd be questioning whether that is actually a must-see horror film. But I think Probably to me, so. in my head, I'm going like seven, 7.5. So Wreck, I'm putting down, because I know there are so many classics. And there also is a factor of this, is maybe I'm holding myself back a bit because I'm thinking, what am I going to say when I get to like certain films and be like, well, that wasn't as good as that one. Well, I'm, I'm trying not to compare them. You know, I know we've got the, we've got it, but for me, each individual, yeah, each individual, I would give it. I'm going to go for an eight point five. That feels good for me for my initial viewing. I really, I think an eight point five sits well. I think I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it again, and I could potentially see it going up. To be honest, yeah, me too. I, I think, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I think. I definitely. I'm going to go with an eight purely because I was so thrown off at times by the plot. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so kind of thrown off at times by the dialogue and sound parts of it. They just made me a little bit. But I love those two scenes, and I think literally probably a lot of it is based on those two major <laughs> scenes. Is why I absolutely think that I was just so like amazed by them, especially because I I'd never seen that. I'd seen the brain blowing like one yeah. before, but I'd never seen that ending. And that mm-hmm. ending really did like I was like, wow, this is cool. This is yeah, really visually amazing. Like, yeah, this is body horror. I knew it was body horror, but to that point, apart from that bonus, there hadn't been tons of body horror. Yeah. But that last scene is like, holy shit, like what you're pulling off now is impressive. So yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight. So yeah, so seven for rep for me and eight for scanners. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I guess until next time. That is our um, must-see horrors, and we have uh, scanners got the uh, choice today, and we shall see what uh, what comes up next time. Check on our uh, TikTok in the in coming soon because we'll reveal yeah. what the next film is. Yeah, if you want to see that the- just before the uh, episode is released, yeah. as you'll see on our TikTok at CMTH Podcast, you can find us on. And you'll find little reveal of each of them and our little videos of how we decide on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as always, thank you for listening to the show. Um, come and let us know what you thought about Scanners the first time you watched it. If you think it's a 100 must-see horror, um, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at CMTH Podcast. Um, as always, please hit that subscribe or follow button so you get the episode as soon as it comes out. And if you could be so kind as to leave us a review, that would be amazing. Otherwise, I will be forced to use my scan and find you wherever you are. (laughs) Thank you, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.